With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, July 13th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We're going to talk about the Open Championship, the British Open coming up here at Royal St. George's starting very early Thursday morning for those of us here in the United States. We'll talk about the course. We'll talk about some players, some matchup angles, all those different kinds of things on today's show. And if we have time, maybe chat a little bit about the NHL offseason, something like that. We'll see how much we get to in a certain period of time here with the golf stuff. But I got a golf preview over at ATS.io for the British Open. Make sure you check that out. Got a NASCAR preview up this morning as well. NASCAR out in Loudoun, New Hampshire at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. So that's coming up here this weekend as well. And I'll be posting some college football stuff over the next few days here as we've got the Major League Baseball All-Star break going on. Did preview the All-Star game for tonight. If you bet on it, don't put a big bet on it. Who the hell knows what's going to happen in that game, but did write up a preview for it, so you can check that out over at the website as well. And make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, stats database, full article integration from the website, lots of helpful handicapping tools for you in that ATS app. So I highly encourage you to download that today. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, Adam. It is. It's a going, and the golf will be earlier for some. I will tell you that. <laughs> it's it's insanely early on the West Coast. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask. I know you typically, you know, you kind of uh, keep an eye on it throughout the day when you're doing your shows and all that, and you know, you record it otherwise so you can watch it later. What's your plan? Are you staying up all night this week? Well, it comes on at one in the morning, Thursday and Friday. So I'll probably make it till about three, three thirty. And then I tape it and then I get up at like seven and kind of scan through it and catch up a little bit. It's, it's ridiculous. By the end of this, by Monday, you know, it takes me a week to catch up on top of it. I did my, well, I'd say annual, though we missed it last year. But I just did a quick four-day in and out to my uh, member guest golf tournament with my best friend back in western New York. And the travel, I mean, that was a gauntlet, in and out. And then the travel was ungodly coming back. I'm I'm beat on the front end of the British Open. I'm going to be a zombie by next week. But that's it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we think about the British Open here and we think about, you know, the time change and obviously this tournament not held last year because of COVID-19. And, you know, a lot of these guys kind of stuck stateside or stuck wherever they were, you know, for a long period of time, not really able to travel internationally or anything like that. So with that in mind, before we dig into all kinds of stuff here about this tournament, are you mostly, you know, kind of primarily looking at guys that played in the Scottish Open last week? I think it it's likely if if that's a reasonable way to look at it and I think more than them playing in the Scottish Open 
I think guys said, I'm just getting over there because of the the restrictions that they wanted to get in and try to get settled into a, a bit of a routine. In a weird way, I could I could make the case that it, it almost favors a European tour player to a degree that they've been dealing with this all year long. And now, you know, the players aren't really whining too bad about it, but it's an alteration to their routine. These guys basically can stay at a hotel or they can rent a house or whatever, but they're locked in the house. They can't go to a pub. They can't go to the grocery store to get food. They have to order, you know, everything has to be brought to them. So the PGA Tour guys who've been living life are now getting thrown into a bubble. And I can imagine there are going to be a lot of guys go, this ain't for me, and it's not going to serve them well when they get on, you know, inside the ropes. So the European guys, they've been dealing with this all along in a, in a weird way. That routine could actually favor some guys, I would think, that are doing it all right along. Well, of course, too, I mean, if you look at, you know, the travel coming over from the States, I don't know if they, I assume they put together a charter for those guys going to the Scottish Open, but, you know, that well, was Virtually everybody said they weren't going to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the guys that could qualify, Kevin, no, nah, yeah, no, nah, I ain't going. Uh, Sung GM, no, nah, I'm not going. I'm going to work, and Cebu Camp, no, nope, I'm not going. I'm going to get ready for the Olympics. And you know, basically that charter's at the John Deere ready to, you know, because that's how they get a field every year for the John Deere is the charters there provided for them to go over. And a lot of guys said, well, I'm going early. I am not going to deal with that charter. So I don't know. The pilot was probably throwing peanuts back to the two golfers that were on the plane. Yeah. I mean, Bubba Watson not going, he was identified as a close contact to somebody with COVID. Zach Johnson has COVID. Uh, Matthew Wolf decided to opt out of going as well. So another, not a huge name necessarily, certainly not in this field, but you know, still a, a quality player that opted not to go over there. But instead of focusing on who's not there, we can talk about who is there here. And John Rahm is your very obvious favorite. Coming off the win in the U.S. Open, he's plus 750. Brooks Kepka, who just steps it up in majors. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. 16 to 1 out there at FanDuel. Shoffley, Justin Thomas, and Jordan Spieth in the 18 to 1 range. Rory in the low 20s, DJ in the mid 20s. Then guys like Oosthuizen, Hovland, Reed, Cantlay, Hatton, all those guys, Morikawa, 30 to 35 to one range for them. Fleetwood also in that range. Again, obviously, with, it goes without saying, shop around for the best prices you can find. Some may be at FanDuel, some may be at DraftKings, some may be in a global market. For you, I know you're scouring the apps, looking at everything out there in Las Vegas and in the state of Nevada. So great field, obviously. But before we get to individual players here, Brian, let's talk about this Lynx style of golf at Royal St. George's, because this is very different than a lot of almost every course that we see in North America. And even very different than a lot of courses that these guys play at around Europe. Certainly when they go to Northern Ireland or England or something like that, they'll play Lynx style, but you're not going to see this in Austria really, or Germany or anything like that. So this is a much different kind of animal just from a course setup and just the the playing conditions overall. Yeah, and the weather obviously is a big deal. You got to check out the starting times, the tee times. And from what I heard, rain is part of the equation. Nothing hideous, I don't believe, but rain's part of the equation. Thursday, Friday, the weekend looks to be like 70 and sunny. So weather's not that big a deal, but the wind is always the big deal. And on these Lynx courses, they're all set up like the par threes, all four of the par threes are set up differently that they'll never have the same 
prevailing wind that they're shooting into the par threes. The par threes are long. The pot bunkers are strategically placed. It's one of the it's one of these courses, Adam. That certain guys are just going to embrace embrace it. It suits their eye, and they're going to play well. And you could get a guy that's in there playing well, but hits one errant shot, and he ends up in a pot bunker, takes a triple, or goes in the fescue once and puts a big number up. It's a quirky course. I've been watching, I'll give them full marks, the Golf Channel. They're live from the open thing. and watch as much of that as I can leading in. And it's such a mixed bag with the players in terms of do they think it's a great course um, or is it a goofy course or is it a rotten course? There's, there's, no, there's no set answer that, oh, my God, this is one of the best layouts ever. It's a real mixed bag. And the guy that's going to win the thing just basically it suits his eye and he embraces the goods and the bads of the course. Yeah. And I think too, something that's going to be really interesting to watch. And I know that you do a lot of this on Friday nights in terms of in tournament wagering, you grab some outrights on Friday night, guys that are maybe a few shots back guys that maybe are swinging it well, but ran into some bad luck. That's something that we saw here back in both 2003 and 2011 at Royal St. George's where, you know, this is a, a, it's a very bumpy, hilly, undulating kind of course there are virtually no trees so the wind can definitely have a significant impact on the ball flight there is a a tree there is one tree on the golf course well and this is the kind of course though where (laughs) you might hit a great shot into the fairway off the tee and it hits a mound and kicks left kicks right kicks in a bunker something like that guys are going to be hitting their second and third shots with the ball below their feet the ball above their feet some sort of weird stance, depending on, you know, wherever the hill is that the ball has landed on, something like that. So not only is it important to be good, and I mean, a lot of the guys at the top of the odds board here are elite level players, but there's also a substantial element of luck to where Mm -hmm. the ball bounces when you hit some of these shots. So some guys are really, as you mentioned, going to have a very hard time mentally with this course. They're going to get pissed off because they hit a great tee shot in the middle of the fairway and all of a sudden they get you know the ball well below their feet or something like that. So, yeah, they, I think the mental side of, of this tournament, much like any major, it is really significant, especially for those that may be staring down a win on Sunday. Well, link-style golf, everything you said is true. And the difference for the PGA guys that go in there, you know, they know these courses. They play them year after year after year. So there's there's course knowledge. Most of these guys have had a sniff of the course. But on the PGA Tour, if the pin is tucked away in the back left corner, these guys are going to want to hit it to, you know, within five yards of the rough on the right side to have a good angle coming in. Well, that's a great plan. But here, like you said, you're, you're looking for a good angle for your approach shot off, off the tee, and the ball hits a mound, and all of a sudden your angle and your approach to the second shot is what the hell in a handbasket. You know, the main thing is avoid the disaster in the bunkers. So – that uh, precise element of what the players do on the PGA Tour is not as much in play here. Is that a reasonable way of saying it? I think so. I think so. And I also think, too, that to a degree, and I mean, there is a prominent PGA Tour player that I do like this week and, and one that I did play from an outright standpoint. But to a degree, I think what you said earlier about you know what the European Tour players have gone through from a protocol standpoint, but also just from being over there, the time difference, things of that sort, those things help them. But also, you know, playing the Alfred Dunhill or playing some of these other Lynx events that they do have, 
you, know, you just you know that it comes with the territory where you can hit a great shot and all of a sudden it winds up being an okay shot or maybe even a bad shot just because of how it bounces. The PGA Tour players don't have that. I mean, there's really maybe a course or two, you know, in the United States that, you know, can kind of have those certain levels of frustrations. So you've got to think that maybe from a mental standpoint, these European Tour players are just, just better equipped all the way around to handle not only the COVID environment, just the, the challenging environment of the course itself. Well, and we can do some digging and see what we can find out in this regard. But you think about it, you're leading up to the U.S. Open uh, at Torrey Pines. Okay, a guy like Mickelson, he's going to pop by Torrey Pines four, five, six times in the three months leading up to the tournament to play the course. Uh, if, it's a, if it's the Masters. Guys are on the eastern swing. Maybe they'll t- take a quick uh, swing over to Augusta and play around there. Well, no American guy or guy on the PGA Tour hopping on a plane and run over to play Royal St. George's. You also have to think some of these European Tour guys in the past few months have occasionally, when there's a window in their schedule, have come by to play this course. I, I'm assuming that, but it makes sense. Yeah, I would certainly think so. And, you know, I mean, look, this is going to be a very challenging layout, whether or not. I mean, the weather will make it worse if it's very windy and, you know, rainy and all of that. But, I mean, look, Darren Clark's winning score was five under back in 2011. I think Ben Curtis was, what, one under back in 2003. So definitely looking at a course where par is a good score on a lot of these holes, minimizing damage, as you mentioned, not tripling out of a bunker, not getting a snowman out of the fescue, something like that. Those things are really, really important here this week. So you kind of want guys that, you know, will understand that guys that won't go for it all guys that will you kind of play. I don't want to say conservative because that's probably not the right word, but just, you know, make sure that they don't take themselves out of this tournament by having one of those God awful holes that, you know, all of us have experienced with our rounds on the weekends or whatever else. So John Rahm is the favorite, as I mentioned, at plus 750 here. He may very well win this thing. I mean, certainly when you look at his strokes gained on very difficult courses, he is easily number one in the world and very, very good on a lot of different layouts. But there's no way in hell I could play him at eight to one here in a tournament like this. So not looking at him as a favorite, where are you kind of at here with this tournament? Are you taking some big prices here this week? Oh, always. Always. I mean, last week, bud, you know, I mean, revisionist history. Now, you know, my little violin where I want the top five. I made three plays last week. That was one of the best things I ever did. Didn't win a nickel. I had three guys I bet at the John Deere Classic. Sebastian Munoz, Ryan Moore, and Lobota. And you know, all three of them right didn't have to bet a nickel going into the weekend because I had all three guys on the front end in the in the hop. So that's the plan is to try to get some long shot guys in contention in the weekend and then reload with somebody you think, uh, you know, is primed to get a better price on them heading into the weekend than they were even before the tournament started before moving day. That's the general premise of, you know, what we try to do. And and it works for the most part Uh, amongst the favorites. And I would think anything 20 to one or under, I would deem a favorite. I mean, I I'm with you. Rom, Played very well at the Scottish Open, playing great golf. Can't I can't at that price. I mean, you're all in on a guy like that, or you're not going there. And even twenty to one to me is still not good enough. But amongst the favorites, it's been about a month, and I said I just don't see how I can't think very highly of Jordan Spieth's chances. As crazy as that is, his form's been good. 
I want to see the layout of the course a little more because he gets really in trouble when he's spraying the driver. But generally, link-style courses, they're wide fairways. You know, you just can't put it in a pot bunker. But in link-style golf, you want to keep the ball on the ground a lot more than they do when they're over here in the States. And who's better with a short game and putting and basically keeping the ball on the ground than Jordan Spieth? I mean, he's right near the top of the list, if not at the top of the list. You know, and the thing about Spieth, too, and I know a lot of people kind of hate on him for this, and, and I guess understandably so, but he's a guy that improvises really well. I mean, you think about all the improvisation that Phil Mickelson's done throughout his career, you know, hitting shots with the toe of his wedge or, you know, something like that. Just the, the weird things that he's done to kind of overcome bad lies, something like that. For whatever reason, Jordan Spieth hits all these hero shots out of places that nobody should be able to hit a good shot from. And if the putter is dialed in, I think Spieth is definitely a guy that could be up there. And just simply because... He it seems like nothing rattles him. He just sort of takes it all in stride and, you know, hits some sort of, you know, miracle shot that everybody on Twitter criticizes and this and that. And, you know, then the guy winds up, you know, being in that top five, being in the mix for a tournament. So I think you're onto something with Spieth. And to a, a fairly similar degree here, I had to take Dustin Johnson at 25 to one this week. I mean, mm-hmm. look, first of all, the guy's never priced at that, but also, when you think about guys that can manipulate the golf ball and shoot any kind of shot they want to, I don't know if anybody in the world is better at that than Dustin Johnson. So if he needs to do something differently, he will adjust. He will make those improvements. He's a guy that's you know very good on any kind of layout, but a guy that just, I don't know, you, you think about a course like this where everything can kind of piss you off and frustrate you. And I just think Dustin Johnson will just adjust on the fly. So at 25 to one, I had to, I, I just simply had to. No, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, in that same range, you know, I think Victor Hovland at 30 just won on the European Tour several weeks ago, the first Norwegian player to ever win on the European Tour. He's feeling his oats coming in. And obviously, he's about to become a staple of the European Ryder Cup teams. I think, uh, and he puts the ball very well. To Hovland and Speed's case, what I would say, too, Putting on the link style courses, they're shaggier greens because they're if you're on the you know alongside the ocean, you got to protect the greens. So the greens are significantly slower to the point where you know your you know, three putts aren't going to be that big a deal, or you can be really more aggressive. And the guys that are really good putters, I mean, if you're giving them the ability to be even more aggressive, you know they could be even more lethal. And I, I would put Hovland in a you know, from what I've seen, when I watch this guy, he can roll the rock pretty good. Yeah, I like Hoblin too. You know, among that 30 to 1 type of range. Another guy I like in that range is, is actually Terrell Hatton. You know, I think Hatton, the guy who's won the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship twice and also was a runner up there, I think two years ago or three years ago, something like that. And obviously, you know, look, I mean, he's got that local flair. You know, you think about Shane Lowry winning a couple of years ago, you know, a guy that probably plays on maybe even this course a lot, but certainly similar courses, whether he's playing at Carnoustie or St. Andrews or something like that, you know, Hatton at 33 to one, another guy that just, you know, in that price range with this kind of format, even though we still need him to take that leap and win a tournament like this. And that's kind of the worry that I do have with him at 33 to one. I mean, again, I think he fits the course. Well, he plays link style golf very, very well. 
He's, you know, been a good finisher in majors here over the last few years. So I had to take him too. So I got DJ and Hatton, you know, DJ at 25 to one Hatton in that 30, 33 to one range. So those are the two shorter prices I've taken. Are there any other short prices you're looking at? Well, I think, you know, you mentioned a number of guys that you can make a case for any of them. I mean, Fitzpatrick is 40. He just played really well. Casey's ball flight, the low piercing. Casey's, I think, interesting to a degree at 45 to 1. The one guy I would take a peek at at 50 to 1, uh, who's playing pretty well. Well, he always plays well and was pretty good in the Scottish Open. Maybe a Scotty Scheffler breaks through at 50 to 1. Uh, you know, of the Americans that are going over there that maybe aren't getting the level of respect they deserve. Uh, I, I could take a peek at uh, Scheffler. Shane Lowry's interesting. I, 35 to 1, the price isn't good enough. I had him in the British Open when he won at 80. So I got a soft spot in my heart for him. Um, that'd be a great story if he, he had it for two years if he gets the Claret Jug back. But I would say Scheffler in that 50 to 1 range is a guy I'd look at. But then when you start swinging at it a little bit, Ian Poulter, when he needs to win or he's playing for something, he's real dangerous. And he is clearly making a case to be on the Ryder Cup team for Padraig Harrington. And he's just playing great golf week in and week out. 75 to 1 to me is an overlay on Poulter. And then I just throw this out there. I don't know from a current form perspective how you don't look at Lucas Herbert at 90 to 1. He won two weeks ago and he was right there in the Scottish Open again. And we know we talk about this all the time the golf and the form cycle. This guy is dialed in right now, and I don't believe. And yeah, Lucas, who? I mean, but he shouldn't be ninety to one. I'm telling you, he's playing better golf than the, you know, twenty of the guys that are above him. Yeah, I think it's an excellent point because not only have you and I kind of talked about maybe looking a little bit more of the European tour route, and certainly I'm not doing that with DJ, but to a degree, I'm doing that with Hatton here. Lucas Herbert is a guy, you know, at least relative to the U.S. sports books that we have, nobody knows who that guy is. You know, and, and as you said, he's in very, very good form. Uh, you know, certainly a guy that I'm sure has either run into this course or played something very similar. Yeah, I mean, in that 90 to 1 range. And, and again, as always, shop around for the best prices. FanDuel only has him at 75. You're seeing him at 90. There is a massive difference between 75 to 1 and 90 to 1. Goes without saying, I think, but it is something that is really important to continue to drive home is that, look, there is a significant difference in your payout. So make sure you are shopping around for the best prices wherever you can find them. So I know you've got to have some triple digit guys that you're kind of looking at here, whether you've played them so far or not guys that you're just, you know, kind of interested in taking a peek at. So who are some of those guys up in the hundreds, Brian? Uh, I mean, or are there not any as of yet, nothing, no real big game hunting, I, I, but that doesn't mean I won't find one. Um, I'm okay. I'm going down here with the quick scroll on the grenades that you could take a peek at. Well, all right. I mean, he, he's burned a lot of my money, but every blue moon he showed up. And in fact, the one year, if I'm not mistaken, how I found out about the guy in the first bit was in a British open is Justin Harding at 300 to one. He just contended two weeks ago. I mean, that's a crazy price. I'm not in love with the guy, but uh, there's a regular European tour player who was just in contention a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of bucks on him, but 
you know, I'm really more in the, there's guys like Leishman always plays well in British Open. He's a great wind player. The windier it is, the better for a guy like Mark Leishman. But how about Lee Westwood at 60 to one? I mean, he's just in every tournament. Yeah, you know, I think the hard thing about taking some of these really big triple-digit prices here is this isn't the kind of tournament where maybe you have to beat Rahm and Thomas and Spieth and, you know, uh, a guy like Morikawa is at, you know, 20 to 1, something like that. This isn't that kind of tournament. I mean, you think about there are like probably 15 to 20 guys in this tournament that I would consider elite golfers, and you have to find a way to beat all of them. So. Mm-hmm. That's why, to me, it's really difficult to take these long shot types of prices. And I know that, you know, Darren Clark was an unlikely winner in 2011. And, and there have been unlikely winners of the British Open. Just Tom Watson almost won it, should have won it. Just simply because of the nature of these events, the bad bounces, you know, all that kind of thing. A couple of guys in the triple digit range that I'm kind of looking at. I'm debating if I want to play them here. Victor Perez is a guy that won the Alfred Dunhill, mm-hmm. I think, in 2019. He's 150 to one. Obviously, he has some kind of competency on Lynx courses to win that one. And then the other one is Corey Connors is maybe not in the greatest of forms, but at 150 to one with his ball striking ability, he was a guy that hits a lot of fairways, which is you know certainly important. You want to try to drive the ball at least in the area of where you want to on a course like this. Very good iron player. The putter's gotten better. And as you said, you know, maybe these greens not as penal just because they are a little bit thicker if guys don't read the pace right. They're not going to fly 15 feet past the hole, anything like that. So maybe Connors and Perez in the 150 to 1 range. But again, the problem here is you've got to beat so many Mm world-class, elite, major champion types of players that I I think somebody under, you know, 50 to 1 wins this thing. I'll give you one. Peeking at it a little bit. Hey, I mean, uh, by the way, Kisner, 150 to 1, great putter. But I'll give you a guy, kind of a gritty bulldog kind of guy. That's a money guy, shows up a lot of times on the big stage, won a tour championship. Billy Horschel at 175 to 1. Yeah. He can putt. Max Homa has no. Watch Max Homa win it. Max Homa can't make a four footer to save his life. This guy could have five PGA Tour wins this year. He can't putt. I mean, I'm seeing like, and I don't, I don't know if I could take him, and I didn't really look too much into you know what his recent form looks like, but like Francesco Molinari at 180 to one. I mean, you know, he's been there before; he's won one before. So, well, the the good thing is when you get somebody who's that price. I mean, there's an algorithm and a number, but a guy like you know, go heading into the weekend, a guy like that, you'll still get a, an overlaid price. Some guy that's 200 to one if he's you know, three shots back with, you know, tied with like 10 golfers, you're still going to get 50 to one on a guy like that. Um, it'll come down to the numbers on Saturday night, but Friday night, Friday night, you can still get a juicy number. So I, I you know, we've talked about this before your, um, you know, the, the dismay that you have about not having top five, top 10 props, things that you probably would have cashed really well on over the years that, you know, hopefully you wind up getting out there in Vegas, but you know, it's not even just picking the winner of this tournament, which is a very hard thing to do, as we've talked about already, with the level of talent in this thing. But matchup betting is something you can absolutely do here. You know, I'm seeing Hovland a dog to Louis Oosthuizen. I think Hovland as a dog is a pretty good play there uh, in that one. 
Spieth and DJ, kind of a coin flip, a toss up there. Uh, Rom and Rory are paired together where Rory's in the plus 150 range at FanDuel. Uh, Reed and Morikawa are kind of lined up together. And, and that's an interesting one to me because I was reading on Twitter today, kind of scrolling through, Morikawa was talking about when he played the Scottish Open last week. And he basically said, look, I wasn't making good contact with my irons. I couldn't get through how thick the grass was. So he was talking about how, you know, he wasn't squaring up his irons, putting them on the face. Well, the best part of Colin Morikawa's game is his iron play. So to me, I see a guy like Morikawa have a quote about struggling hitting his irons. I'll play Patrick Reed in a matchup. I'm perfectly content to do that. I think that's a good way to a good plan of attack here for this as well. And it, it, it does my heart good to hear a guy like that say that because I know it sounds like an excuse and I've got that excuse in my holster holster. I'm telling you, I went back East and played in this golf tournament and I play out here, you know, three times a month, four times a month. I don't get to play as much as I like, but when I'm hitting the ball, good, it's, it's firm fairways, kind of a sandy base. And I hit down on the ball and, and kind of pinch the ball and hit my irons really good. And then I go back to this golf tournament back east, and the green, the grass is so lush and plush that you hit down into it. One time you hit it, and it comes out great. The next time you hit it, and you're flying a beaver pelt out, and you chunk it, and you have to pick the ball. You can't hit down into it. So that, that's, that's a real thing. And for a guy like Morikawa, who <laughs> should be able to make that adjustment, I'm a hack, and I'm trying to do that. And he's telling, And you hear him say, how difficult that is. It is. It's a completely different animal that they're playing a game that's foreign to them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and so, you know, I'm going to look and see where I can get the best price on a Patrick Reed matchup against Morikawa. And, you know, maybe you look at fading Morikawa in group play, you know, something like that. I don't think Morikawa misses the cut necessarily, but, you know, I, I guess crazier things have happened. Well, well so, plus Reed plays on the European tour, right? I mean, or right, he yeah. has in past years. Yeah, no, that's that's an excellent point. I'm looking at Morikawa's plus 245 to miss the cut at FanDuel. And again, I mean, he's a world-class player. He talked about, you know, what he's trying to do to make the adjustment and all of that. But, you know, still, I mean, this is this is a very challenging test of golf for a lot of people. So will we yeah. will we look like fools? We we didn't even mention them. And I mean, we always look I, like I, fools. We don't have to worry I, about I, that. Yeah, but I had Louis Oosthuizen at 120 to one. When he won, or no, I don't think he was that high. That was Zach Johnson. I had Zach Johnson at 120 to one when he won the British Open. But I had Louis Oosthuizen in the year he ran away and hid in the Open. And I mean, Louis is every major is sitting there in the final group or on the first page of the leaderboard. And we're always used to seeing him in the 50 to one range. He's at 30, 33 to one. So um, we, I just wanted to make sure we at least mentioned him because if this guy wins ago, those idiots didn't even mention Louis Oosthuizen. Well, we, we definitely are idiots, whether we mention Louis Oosthuizen or not. Um, but point. No, I mean, you know, I, I think that, again, uh, you know, guys will, as they're finishing up their practice rounds today and tomorrow, will tell you things about how the course played, what they thought about the course, you know, all that. Guys that, you, you think about it, like, we were talking about the, the mental aspect of this tournament. You're going to have guys that come off their practice rounds. Maybe they play like shit. Maybe they don't. And they're going to go, yeah, it was a, it was a fun course. It was a fun challenge. You know, I enjoyed all having to hit all the different kinds of shots I had to hit. Like that's the right kind of mindset for a track like this. You're going to have other guys that are like, man, 
you know, the, the fescue is so thick and, you know, I'm, I'm rolling pots and they're just, they're not going anywhere. That's a guy who's already in a negative mindset. And I think when you're playing a tournament such as this, especially with such a different environment, particularly looking at the PGA players specifically, I mean, you're kind of defeated before you even tee it up on Thursday. So I think mentally you want to look at, you know, trying to exploit matchups that way. Yep. There's no doubt. And again, with all the offerings that'll be there watching the first round, the second round, it's critical. And I mean, you you may sit there and go in to the weekend and you find an overlay in a matchup going, there's no way this guy's beating this guy. And he's a plus price. You know, you, you know, the opportunities are plentiful. But you got to watch. Yeah, yeah, you got to kind of try to find a way to watch here. So whether you're burning the overnight oil, drinking pots of coffee at a time, or if you're just kind of watching this on tape delay or DVR or whatever else, definitely a challenge from that regard. You know, for handicapping this term, a lot of challenges for handicapping the Open, but should be a lot of fun. You know, we'll see if the weather gets gnarly during the week. We'll see if it's as clear during the weekend as it's supposed to be. But always great to chat golf here with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And we're out of time for today, Brian. I know I teased it a little bit, but I'm sure you'll be talking about all the off-season NHL stuff uh, over your next couple of weeks here on Vegas Hockey Hotline. Oh, we're loaded, bud. I'll tell you specifically today, kshp.com, there's a listen live function. And I'm my Twitter, Brian Blessing, put all the show links out. Today, Mike Harrington, uh, as the beat writer for the Sabres, is going to be on. And they hold all the cars. I mean, Eichel, Reinhardt, risk the line, and they have the first pick of the draft. They're going to be front and center and prominent. And in the next three weeks, there's going to be so much movement. We got the expansion draft coming with Seattle. Thursday, Darren Dreger, who's as good as it gets from a hockey insider perspective, will be our guest on Thursday to talk a lot about this. But you have the expansion draft, and some deals will happen before the weekend because there'll be a five-day freeze where you can't make trades, only Seattle can make trades. So there will be deals before we get to the weekend where teams are moving a guy somewhere because they know they're going to lose them to Seattle. This is going to be a nut bar week, and then it's going to really take off. Uh, This is going to be one of the most explosive off-seasons in NHL history where we're talking blockbusters and teams completely turning, trying to turn their fortunes around and change their core groups. Yeah, should definitely be a lot of fun here. Uh, breaking during the show, the Wild bought out both Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. So there you go. I mean, that Parise contract. Woo. Yeah, well, things are happening, to be sure. So make sure you tune into Vegas Hockey Outline. And, of course, listen to Sportsbook Radio as well. And I believe I'll be joining you on Thursday this week. So I'm sure yes, we'll have plenty to talk will. about. Well, we'll see with- if any of the stuff we were talking about is coming to pass. Yeah, that'd be nice, right? I mean, like we said, we, we know we're idiots, but maybe sometimes, you know, we'll uh, – we get every blind squirrel and finding a nut and all that kind of thing, right? Yeah, two to four Eastern, um, eleven to two Pacific. T- eleven to yeah, look at me, eleven to one Pacific time. Series two hundred four, the Sports Grid Radio Network, Sportsbook Radio. And by the way, uh, we're g- I'm going to get the exact time frames. Just got the word that we will be doing heading into the weekend on Friday night, Saturday morning. Saturday night, Sunday morning, college football shows, and then an NFL show on Series 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Be doing a lot of stuff with guys like Kenny White, Bruce Marshall, Mark Lawrence. So we'll really, we're really going to turn the tables now and get ready for football. 
and we'll have the shows. Again, the exact times is going to be determined here in the next day or two. But Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, doing college football and NFL preview shows on Sirius 204. So that'll be good fun. Yeah, I think I saw the college football season starts in 46 days. Oh, Lord. And I'm woefully unprepared for it. You and me both. So, yeah, it uh, it never ends. But make sure you check out Sportsbook Radio, Vegas Hockey Outline, and follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Blessing. Brian, appreciate the time as always, sir. Thank you so much for joining me, and we'll talk to you again soon. Adam, you have a good day, bud. Let's see if we uh, can't find one of these long shots in the British Open. But I always love talking to you, bud. Thanks. There you go. There's Brian Blessing. Again, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. Check out his shows on Sports Grid, and then also check out Vegas Hockey Hotline as well. I'll be back on Thursday with another edition of the Betters Box, previewing the second half of the Major League Baseball season. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again on Thursday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.